Roll up, roll up. Ladies and gentlemen, beggars and harlots, urchins, vagabonds, miscreants, ne'er-do-wells, ignoble noblemen, and libertines alike. Ladies and gentlemen, those of you from this world and the next, it gives me great pleasure to present the Satanic Player Society, traveling sideshow of the macabre. Join us as we bring you wonders from the abyss, pros from the shadows, and tales of horror and madness. Now, it brings me great joy to introduce tonight's performers, each bringing their own skills and talents to the show. Please be standing and give a round of applause for... Christine, the Reptilian Woman. While exploring the darkest depths of the Amazon, we find this wonderful being you see before you. Worshipped as a goddess by the natives until she joined our happy little band. She will captivate you as she uncoils to move with lies and grace. Her fangs also contain the deadliest venom that can kill you in a heartbeat. Citizen Horror, the Two-Headed Wonder! One head is female, the other male. But don't be fooled, ladies and gentlemen, for when this devious duo come together, your mind will be irrevocably desecrated. Citizen Balafar, the Carnival Barker. Roll up. This man has the voice to draw you in. His thundering calls stir and shake you to the bone. I recommend not getting on the wrong side of this gentleman. If he turns his dulcet tones to anger, his earth-shattering cries will split you in two. Grigory the Psychic. gaze into the mystic portal. He bends time and space to his will, bringing the past and future before your eyes. If you care to look, he can show you the things to come. Be wary though, he can also foretell your doom. Yes, Topologist! No chain ever forged, or lock ever made, can hold this intrepid lady. Check the binds and the bonds, check them twice. Still she will find her way to freedom. Don't give her the wrong side of this one, ladies and gentlemen. The skills she possesses can also be used to put you in a tight spot. Jesse, the Rouseabout. This wonderful lady holds the show together. She tightens the ropes. She built the stage on which we stand. And she mends the canvas. She also hides the bodies. Greetings and extra spooky salutations, my friends. Tonight is a very special yet bittersweet show as we celebrate the final Halloween and Summer Festival. 
Yes, even though the sun is shining and the temperatures are high, we are still able to bring a little horror and madness to you. However, on this occasion, I truly feel that my meager words cannot bring justice to this wondrous event. This evening, it is my very pleasure to pass the stage over to a special guest presenter. Please be upstanding and welcome to the arena, the one, the only, Storm Von Gull. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. I very much appreciate being welcome to the show and to be a guest host, uh, a guest uh, speaker, you know, for your show. This is so great. I love it. It's very spectacular. And yes, it's bittersweet that uh, we are going to be having the final Halloween and Summer Festival presented by all our new studios. And it has been an honor to do it all of these years and, and to entertain audiences and the children and to have been out there with some great music and some incredible artists and creators and hunters and vampires and witches. And speaking of witches, this year is going to be the year of the witch! So you definitely don't want to miss out on the Halloween and Summer Festival the year of the witch! And you can come see me live on Friday, June 15th. It's part of the music and, and, and movies in the park. And we're going to be presenting Hocus Pocus. Yes, because it's a year of the witch. And I, I will be out there. I will tell some, some fantastic jokes. And I, I will entertain you. You definitely want to be there. And then, of course, the next day, on Saturday, June 16th, on Historic Magna Main in Magna Utah, you can experience our town new studios, Halloween and Summer Festival, the eighth annual and final event. It will be the most terrific it has ever been, so do not miss it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, would you have come to this show to hear? Vacant Eyes by Citizen Vanapar. Yes, yes. And then, following that, you are going to hear Fred's Dead by Jesse Twain. Yes. Once again, thank you so much for having me, Storm Van Ghoul, here on the show. Enjoy. Thank you, Storm Van Gogh. And now, my friends, on to our first act of the evening. Please be upstanding and give a round of applause for Vacant Eyes, written by Citizen Balfour. It was a dark and cold night in late December when little Holly Mae was tucked into bed. She was almost ten, old enough not to need a bedtime story anymore, but not so old to turn down a goodnight kiss from both her mother and her father before the lights were turned out. She was loath to admit she was not so old as to have done away with the old familiar nightlight that was all but a fixture in the wall socket near her door. Out on their farmhouse, they were no stranger to taking the full force of the elements, and tonight was no exception. A smattering of rain pelted her window, and 
steady wind shook the tree outside. The long shadowy fingers of the dancing branches cast themselves, outstretched and distorted, towards her bed. Though she had long come to recognize the shapes of what they were, the bare branches of the old walnut tree, silhouetted by the moon, she still had to roll away from them and face the wall next to her bed with her blanket, tucked up tight to her chin. Her mind wandered, as it often did in the haze before slumber, and as she started to drift off to sleep, there came a sharp crack against the window. It was not so loud that the glass broke, but it was certainly more audible than the small raindrops. It was loud enough to snap her eyes back open. She shivered, but odd sounds in the old house were not uncommon. It was nearly a century old. Plus, she was up on the third floor, about as safe as she could be. It was probably just the trees tapping on the window, like they used to. But hadn't her father just pruned the tree the past summer? Maybe it was a bird that had flown into the window, lost in the storm at night, looking for shelter. Her heart broke just a bit, remembering when a bird had flown into the window of the den on the first floor. The poor thing had hit the glass so hard it broke its neck. She remembered vividly how it lay, twitching and still flapping in the bushes. Her father had taken it to the barn and helped it find rest. They had a small funeral that evening in the garden. Crack! The sound came again. Now she knew she had to get up and check. If it was a bird, she had to see. The sill outside her window was deep. It was possible it would have caught the bird if it had fallen. She peered out into the darkness and saw nothing through the rain-streaked glass. The gathering moisture forming long rose-like tears as they streaked towards the side, pushed on by the steady wind. The three branches were in fact well away from her window, and whatever had made the noise would have fallen to the ground below. Nothing she could do for it now. She sat a moment, looking out at the barn, all dark and buttoned up, and the expanse of dark fields beyond. Crack! came the sound, right in front of her, loud and sharp and sudden. It caused her to flinch back reflexively. This time, when she peered out the window, she looked down to a blurred figure standing out in the grass apron that surrounded the house. The figure was still, so still she hadn't seen. Despite the thin cloud layer, the moonlight was just bright enough to illuminate a simple white mask they wore, obscuring their face. The eyes were pinched and beady, and the mouth an exaggerated smile. Holly Mae screamed and ran to her bed. When her parents came in, they flipped on the light and went to her. She tried to tell them what she had seen. A person, someone in a mask. But she was so scared, tears in her eyes, she couldn't properly articulate. Her father went to the window. Holly Mae watched him for a moment, looking out into the dark. He leaned forward and pressed a hand to the glass above his eyes to block the light of the room from obscuring his vision. Holly Mae held her breath, but nothing happened 
and he straightened and smiled. Her mother stroked her hair and bid her to lay down. They assured her it was just a dream. They were miles and miles from anyone. They were safe. They were alone. Holly May pulled her blanket up over her head once they left, trying to block out the rest of the world. She had started to relax, started to contemplate sleeping once more, when suddenly it came. Crack! The sound broke the piece of the room. She tightened her grip on the blankets and shrank further in her bed, trying to ignore it, to will that haunting image from her mind. Crack! It came again, after a few minutes, and again, and again. Crack! Crack! Holly May called her parents again, too scared to move. But once more they saw nothing. She begged them not to go. Her father assured her he would take a look downstairs and make sure everything was locked. She begged for him not to go. Her mother sat with her all the while, hearing her father thump around below, making a show of latching the deadbolt for the first time in years and locking the windows. His creaking footsteps up the two flights of stairs heralded his winded return. With another kiss, they were gone, assuring her the house was locked up watertight. And with that, the light went out, and all was quiet. Crack! Holly May jolted hard in her bed as she awoke, her muscles clenched in fear. Crack! The sound came again, as if it was not going to be denied. Holly May hid under her blanket, but this time, they were not relenting. Holly May shivered and shuddered each time, finally slipping out of bed and moving to the window, moving on her hands and knees. She hooked the tips of her finger on the sill and ever so slowly raised her head up to peer out the window. Crack! She flinched and ducked, waiting a few heavy breaths, her heart pounding like a door knocker in her chest. She steeled herself and peered up over the edge. The mask was below, now close to the house, at the base of their porch, almost out of sight of the window. It stared back at her, dark, empty eyes and its strange time and place making the smile seem devious and startling to behold. With a flash of their hand, they threw another stone up at the window. Holly May screamed and fell back from the window, scrambling out of her room and down the hall to her parents' bedroom. Despite their protests, she wriggled down in between them and lay tense and shivering until the sun came up. When the rain stopped outside and the sun was finally up, the rooster crowing in the paddock and their cows calling for their morning rain. Only then did Holly May brave slipping out of her parents' bed. Her mother and father began their waking process, their interrupted sleep making the morning heavy on their eyes. She went first to her room. She held her breath as she neared the window. Nothing outside. Nothing in her room. It was quiet, but the sunlight filtering in was warm and inviting, dispelling the fear and uncertainty. She slipped downstairs, quiet, cautious 
and moved to the door that led out to the porch. It was quiet outside, but the sounds of waking life were comforting to hear. She crept to each window and looked out the curtains, seeing nothing. She could see out across the pasture, no signs of life or danger. There were no signs of trespass or intrusion. She grew bolder with each look, seeing that her house had been left at peace and feeling better with each passing moment. That is until she opened the door, and she started to scream. There on the doormat, staring up at her with vacant eyes, was that white, smiling mask. Well, I hope that didn't send too many shivers down your spine. And now, onto our main act. We are honoured to perform the very first outing as a playwright for our very own Jesse Twain. Please, put your hands together for Fred Stead. Hi, Linda. I want to get high, Linda. <laughs> How much and of what? Weed. Uh, I'm not sure how much. I got more cash today and, uh... Oh, come inside already. Hi, Rick. Hi, Tammy. Hi, Fred. Fred! You smoke weed? I'm so proud of you. Shut up, Rick. Really? Didn't know you had it in you. How much do you want? Um, how much can I get for... Jesus, Fred, where'd you get all this cash? Holy shit. <laughs> I, uh, I robbed a bank today. You did what? Robbed a bank. Look. Jesus. How much have you got there? Uh, I haven't counted it yet, but I'd say... You've got enough. I'll go get you some weed. I've got some really good Primo stuff today, too. What bank did you run? First National Savings, downtown. And no one stopped you? I told them I had a gun. You told them you had a gun. Did you have a gun? <laughs> no. You went into a bank, unarmed, told them you had a gun, and walked out with... Jesus, how much money is that? Oh, I haven't counted it. Okay, so I brought a couple of different bags. Here, just take a whiff of these. Fred? Yeah? 
I'm really sorry about this. Oh, oh shit! Keep it down. Right now, everyone in the neighborhood is looking around, wondering where that sound came from. You fucking shot him! You fucking shot Fred! Shut the fuck up, Tammy. Look at that wad of cash. Have you ever seen that much money in one place before? Oh my god. Tammy, go wait by the door. Anyone answers, you heard something, it woke you, but you don't know anything else. Got it? Okay, what's your plan? To take the money, of course. You each want a third? Yes. Yes! Then, Tammy, you be half awake and clueless if anyone knocks at the door. Rick, let's get him into the tub, clean up the blood, and count this. How many people you think heard that gunshot? There were no sirens. No one came to the door. Since when do police respond promptly to this neighborhood? Done counting? How much are we talking about? Just over $17,000. What? Seriously? Yeah, seriously. Oh my god. Yeah, great news, but we have a body to deal with and people may have heard the gunshot. May have? Do you have any idea how loud that was? Yes, and I also know this neighborhood. One shot, people duck. Listen, figure it's okay, and go on about their business. It's only when the first shot is followed by a second shot or a third that people start to feel threatened and call the cops. Same in our neighborhood. We do need to figure out what to do with Fred, though. We need... I didn't shoot Fred. Well, then I suppose you don't want a third of Fred's bank money. He does. I do. We can figure this out. Linda, enough with the Lysol. I can't breathe in here. All I could smell was the blood. I've got all the blood mopped up. Except for the stains on the couch, our living room has never been cleaner. The living room is gorgeous. Let's talk about the bath. I found a small axe in your shed. If we can chop him down into smaller parts, that opens up options for disposal. That's why you said move him to the tub? You want to chop him up? Fucking count me out. Well, maybe we can count you out of the cash then, too. Babe. Calm down, both of you. It's not a bad idea. Somehow we have to get rid of Fred. We chop him up and get rid of him slowly, inconspicuously, in small pieces. I'm listening. You've got that chest freezer in the basement, right? That'll hold pieces of Fred until we can dispose of him. Jesus. Shut up, Rick. Tammy, I'm not keeping dead body parts in my freezer for any length of time. Well, how then do we get rid of lots of body parts quickly? Why don't we fucking bury him? Where, in the cemetery? In the yard. 
during the night. No fucking way, dude. Linda's neighbors would see us digging. Yeah, and neighbors would call the cops, so no. Unless... What? Halloween's in two days. What if you put up a decorative cemetery and we're just digging a grave? As you know, decor. That shit might work. Okay, we need to chop up Fred. We need to decorate the backyard for Halloween. And we need to dig a grave. Right. What should I do? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not chopping anyone up or digging any graves in the middle of a fucking suburb. No problem. I don't want to listen to you whine anyway. Here. Take this and go to every Walmart, Target, and Halloween store you can find. Buy at least two dozen fake gravestones. Tammy, you want to dig or chop? I'll chop. Digging sounds like too much work. Jesus, you scared me. Sorry, we've got a problem. What? Fred's cell phone. What's the problem? Police can track these things. He turns up missing. They track the phone to see where he is. Shit. What if we destroy it? Then the last trackable location is your house. Shit. We need to get this somewhere else. Here we go, ladies. Gravestones. Nice. New problem. What? Let's talk inside. This is just to block our voices from being heard. Okay, so we have a cell phone we need to get rid of. Hammer? Run it over? No good. If we destroy it now, its last known position is Linda's house. Oh. So we need to move it. Take it into a convenience store, leave it on the counter, someone will steal it. We can't count on that. The shopkeeper might be one of those rare honest types. Hey, Halloween is tomorrow. Yeah? What if we drop that cell into some kid's candy? They won't find it until they get home and the parents won't know which house they got it from. Are you kidding me? What kid ignores what's being put in his candy bag? They'll see it a mile away. Not the real little ones. They have no clue. Isn't it just the little card inside that's trackable? What if we only dropped that in? No good. It's got to be connected to the battery to give off a signal. And phone batteries are pretty much the size of a phone. What if we slipped it into someone's pocket? Shut up, Rick. What? People put their hands in their pockets. We need this phone to travel a bit before being found. What we need is a wild animal to take the cops on a wild goose chase. What if we strap it to a cat? Strap it to a... Shut up, Rick. Cats go everywhere. Imagine the police trying to catch one of the neighborhood strays. We're not strapping a phone to a cat, Rick. What if we tape a magnet to it and stick it under someone's car? Shut up. Hang on. That's not a bad idea. Put it on someone's car. It looks like Fred's traveling around. Whose car? Someone random. 
we go down to the grocery store and just attach it to some car. You didn't touch it, did you? We need to wipe our prints off it. Got any magnets? Fridge magnets and duct tape. We can test it on Rick's car to make sure it holds. I thought this year I'd do up a cemetery for Halloween. Nice idea. But don't you think a big hole in the ground might be a little unsafe with little kids running around in the dark? My backyard is fenced in. Well, I don't know if that's enough to keep kids safe in the dark on a night when they're encouraged to walk up to people's houses. Safety first. Must think of the children. Right, of course, but, uh, see, I'm going to be in the hole. You know, sheet over my head, making spooky ghost sounds. I've got a friend who'll be handing out the candy at the door, so even if a kid comes back here by mistake, I'll be here. Oh. Well, okay. I suppose that will be safe enough. Hey, you should get one of those fog machines. Yeah, great idea. Well, uh, better get back to digging. We want to make this a nice, fun, safe time for all the children. <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> uh, cunt. Jesus. You need something, Mick? Linda sent me on another errand. Ghost costume and a fog machine. And here are your gallon Ziploc bags. We're spending so much money trying to steal this money, we're going to be broke before we're done. Don't be silly. Here, give me those bags and take these bags down to the freezer. I thought Linda didn't want Fred in the freezer. It's just until tomorrow night to keep the smell down. Once all the trick-or-treating is done, Linda, being the responsible neighbor, will fill in that hole before a kid falls into it. And in go all the bags. And in go all the bags and bones and everything else. When are we moving the phone? Jesus, Rick! You were supposed to do that when you went for Ziploc bags. Go do that. Buy milk and bread or something. Okay. Hey, you okay? I'm about ready to call it a night. I can't wait for this all to be over with. Grab Rick and get over here now. We've got a big problem. What? What time is it? Not over the phone. Get here now, and I mean now, before the sun comes up.
So, what's the problem? There's a kid in the hole I dug. Get him out of there. He's dead. There's a dead kid in the hole I dug. Who? How? I don't know. Did he fall in and die? No, his face is blown off. Shit! We gotta call... Uh, we should call... Can we call the cops? And then do what with Fred? But we've got nothing to do with this kid. No, hun, she's right. We can't call the cops. Well, then what do we do? Get the kid's body out of there until after Halloween, and then bury the kid with Fred. No good. Police dogs might sniff the kid out. Shit. Police dogs. I hadn't thought of that. They might sniff Fred out. They won't think to look for Fred around here, though, so they won't bring the dogs for Fred. Rick, where's Fred's phone? Attached to a red Subaru? Good. Now, someone dragged this kid into my yard. A scent trail leads in. We need a scent trail leading out. How do we do that? Sun's coming up. Rick, go shopping again. Get yourself a costume big enough to conceal a toddler's body. Shit. The kid's just a toddler? Yeah. Come on. You and I need to get the kid into the tub. Wait. I gotta put a dead kid inside a costume and... Do what exactly? Walk him out of my yard, out of this neighborhood, and into a park somewhere to dispose of him. I'm not doing that. I'm getting real sick of your bullshit, Rick. I've done back-breaking work, digging a hole, Tammy's chopped up, and frozen pieces of Fred. You are going to carry the kid. Come on, Tammy. What is that? That is a Godzilla costume. Will it work? I fucking hope so. This was the only thing they had that didn't fit tight. Well, let's see it on. Hmm. Somehow we're going to have to wrap the kid around his waist or stuff the kid in the tail. If I have any say in this, I would prefer not to have a faceless toddler corpse wrapped around my waist. Actually, the tail looks like it's got some molded plastic in it to give it shape. That might work well to disguise what's in it. Just what I was thinking. Shut up, Rick. Let's get the kid and see if it works. Won't he... bleed all over the costume? Nah, we've got him wrapped in garbage bags. That was after we put a couple Halloween things in to make him look like he was trick-or-treating when he got shot. That's in case the police dogs trace the scent up to the house. He was here trick-or-treating and then left. Then he got shot. Okay, hop out, Rick, and hold it open. Here we go. Wait, do we want him head in or feet in? The tail's wider at the top. Let's turn him around. Okay, hop back in, Rick. Well? Well what? 
Can you move? Can you walk down the street? No good. The tail drags. So? You're going to be walking down a sidewalk. That thing will split open and then the kid will fall out. Now that I'm looking at it, I don't think wrapping the kid around his waist will work either. Shit. What if we put something under the tail to keep it off the ground? Like? A skateboard? Happy Halloween! Hey, anyone know which way to Tokyo? I've got to go get Nick. You should be at the park by now. Okay. Help me get out of here. <laughs> okay, we'll be back in a bit. Check this shit out. Hey man, what are you supposed to be, Barney? Nah man, Barney was purple. I think he's supposed to be an iguana. Hey man, come over here. What are you supposed to be? Hey, I said, come over here. Don't make me come over there and beat your ass. Come on, motherfucker gots to learn respect. You should help me unwrap the kid and then we go get our money. Right. This is a good spot to plant him. Come on. 
just prop him up like this? Shit, there should be blood. Well, there isn't any. This will have to do. Okay, get in the car. I'll drive. Linda Anderson? Yes. You live alone here? Yes. Rough night, huh? <sighs> I feel so bad for that family. Yeah. Listen, we're gonna send you a copy of the police report. That guy's insurance will cover the damage to your fence. I don't care about that. I know, I know. But you're gonna want to fix it eventually, and there's no reason you should pay for it. Take a few days, mellow out, but then put in a claim, okay? Okay, thanks. For that matter, you watched a child die. You might want to check with a lawyer to see if you can sue for mental anguish. Seriously? Sad to say, but this isn't the first time I've seen this happen. And, as landowner and witness, you stand to make some money off this. I know that's not what you're thinking about right now. I just see so few times when one of us catches a break in life. Be smart and take it. Sue the bastard that killed the kid. Right. Hey, you gonna be okay? Yeah, I just need to fill up that hole in the back before some kid falls into it and gets hurt. There's been enough hurt for one night, don't you think? Yes, ma'am. Good night. Good night, officer. stronger constitution, why not stop by our merchandise store and check out the interesting items from the show and our resident artists. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and like our Facebook page. You can also find us on iTunes and a variety of online platforms. Just search for the hashtag SatanicClairs. What do you think? Will you summon and let us in?